This is why it is important for each and every one of you to learn how to play this game. This is why that $31 trillion, we can't do nothing about that. That is the number one reason why your money needs to be in some type of assets. You just think about it. If you already in a negative, we see these numbers that's green. No matter who you are, no matter where you are in the world, we understand one thing. Money is a universal language. Red mean negative, green mean positive. The money will never have value until that 31 trillion becomes green. We have only known the America that is the America as a superpower. There will come a time when the America that we know will not be the superpower. There will come a time where we won't be the big dog. You cannot be the big dog with a $31 trillion deficit. What's good, what's good, what's good, trappers? Ah. Welcome to another episode of Trapping Tuesday. Round of applause for everybody here, man. Man, today is such an amazing episode. We got so much to talk about. But I want to take one second. Even though it's Trapping Tuesday, we want to take a minute here just to honor Dr. Martin Luther King. It was a courageous man. It was a God-fearing man. It was truly a man on a mission. There's a distinct difference between a man walking in his purpose and a man just walking. We can tell by the decisions that he made. We can tell by the passion and the way he enunciated himself. When we listen to those speeches, they mean so much to us now. Imagine what that meant then. I, I don't want this to be taken wrong and I Forgive me for using this context. But imagine just listening to your favorite rapper in concert. The one that gives you the motivation. The one that inspires you to go get some money. The one that inspires you to level up your life. Now imagine, visualize, if you was chasing freedom. Imagine being in 1960, having to ride on the back of the bus. Imagine being in the 1960s and not having some of the rights that you have now. See, oftentimes we say, if that was me then, I would have did this. But the problem with that is we're thinking about it with our 2023 mind. We're thinking about it with the 2023 attitude. 
I want you to feel it from your 1962 mind. Your 1965 mind. That's a whole nother perspective. The prism in which you view life is different. So imagine the power in that I have a dream speech. Imagine the power of someone telling you someone that you look up to, someone who you felt that all your hopes and dreams will come through by. I'm talking about just imagine in the moment where you're looking at a man saying he is the guy that's going to get us free. He is the guy that is going to make things right for us. Imagine walking in that era saying that this one man held the weight of everything you believed in. God, that's a hell of a burden. But he did it effortlessly. And sometimes we get caught up in the culture and I've been victim of it as well, saying I like King, I like Malcolm X, I like this person, not really understanding the significance in each and every one of them. We needed them all. They all advocated for freedom. They all advocated for justice and equality, but they all had their own different way and perspective in which they view life and how to attain it. But the one thing I can say is this, man. That man was powerful. But he became oh so dangerous. He became oh so dangerous. When he started talking about economic freedom. The most dangerous person in the world is the man or woman that challenges the economic system of America. God. The minute you say that everybody should be paid equal. The minute that you say everybody should be educated the same. The minute you say, why are we going to war in China or Korea or Vietnam? There's a war going on over here. The minute you say that. You're knocking on the door. You're going from good guy to villain. At that point. See, we do fail to realize that Dr. King, a switch went off on. Now, I'm not here to say that I knew what he was thinking because I would never do such a thing. I would never have the audacity to say that. That would be blasphemous. But I do know at some point in his career, a switch went off. And he started realizing that civil rights was good but the economic liberation, that was a whole nother battle cry. So when he went to Memphis, there was already a war going on between the sanitation workers 
and the government in Memphis because they said we not getting paid. We, we, we going inside smelling like trash. We not getting paid. We doing the dirty work, but we can't feed our families. Something's got to change. I'm going to ask you a question. When have you been so provoked in your life where you said something got to change? Because you can only change, you can only get an outcome that you've never had when you've been provoked. Whew. To provoke somebody is something else. It was at that moment when Dr. King started having what was called premonition. He visualized. I got to give my people some money. That's when he became the most dangerous man in America. Because see, even though Malcolm, even though Malcolm talked about by any means, there was a lot of people that feared that. See, there's a different type of fear it takes to go up against the oppressor. And so you had the Malcolms and the Stokely Cole Michaels who came up and said, nah, we got to meet force with force. And as long as you can have one man that says, let's do it nonviolently, the oppressor will always find that as the voice of reason is why sometimes they used preachers to come preach the message of slavery. Honor thy master to the slaves. It was for that reason. But the minute Nat Turner learned the Bible and said, for every verse that you tell me to tell somebody, honor thy master, there's another verse that says to rebel. It's what made him dangerous. So the minute Dr. King started saying, let me give my people some money, it was the minute he woke America up and made them realize that economic freedom was on the purge. Welcome to Trapping Tuesday, y'all. Tootie, let me hear that beat, partner. Let's see what Tootie cooking this week, y'all. Come on with it. I like it. Okay. Okay. I like that too. It got like a little, it got like a little rumble with it. Let me see in the chat how we feel about Tootie. Let me see in the chat how we feel about this one. Hey, this, hey Tootie, I feel like this a, I got my dog Ken in the building. I feel like this some old, I feel like this got that New Orleans Delta 88 with the Dayton's on it. I feel like it got that kind of vibe. I feel like I got a UGK. I feel like I got an 8-ball MJG kind of vibe 
since we talking about Memphis. Uh. Ooh. Five more seconds. Two days. Five more seconds. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Okay. Shout out to, hey, let's give Tootie around. Hey, hey, this for Tootie right here. <laughs> that boy is good. Mm-hmm. Good and terrible. That's me hating on a cool. <laughs> Welcome to Trapping Tuesdays, y'all, man. This is an amazing episode we have waiting for y'all. First and foremost, man, before we get started, I want to tell everybody, make sure you like it. Make sure you subscribe. And make sure you send this out to somebody. Man, tonight we are doing so amazing. Do me a favor, man. Let's get the likes up right quick, man. Let's get the likes to 300 before we even get started. Let's get the likes up to 300, man. Today we got a lot to talk about. Why fast food stocks are better than restaurant stocks. Too much debt in the United States. And why big banks are thinking about being broken up. But before we can get into all that, man, I just want to say, everybody, welcome, 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 welcome to another episode of Trap and Sue. This is episode 26, y'all. Yeah. Episode 26, man, for everybody that been trapping from day one, I just want to tell y'all, man, I love y'all so much. We appreciate y'all so much. This is why we really, really, really digging each and every week. And I know... You know, it take me a while to get into the lesson sometimes because I just like showing y'all love, man. I want to let y'all know that every week we come in here from George to Gendy, Jose in the building, Brandon in the building. You know, you already know we got Tootie in the bag on the track. We got Dave in the building. Shout out to my dog, Steve. You know, it's a team effort. And each and every week our goal is to be the best show that delivers the market information. It is to give you this information at a high level. But most importantly, it is about helping you become more confident as an investor. It's to help you be able to build legacy. But our number one goal, our number one goal here is to make wealth attainable for everybody. And I love y'all for that, man. So before we get started, man, before we get started, y'all know what we got to do, man. Let's get the trap of mantra up there, right? We got to get the mantra up there so we can talk about that, right? Y'all know how I go, man, each and every week, everybody. Here's what I want y'all to do for me, y'all. If you standing up and you got your hand over your heart, what I want you to do is I want you to tag me, Wall Street Trapper, I want you to tag Trapping Tuesdays in your stories and we're going to repost it. All right? We're going to repost it. Because we need to let the world know what we're doing here. We're a different type of community over here at Trapping Tuesdays, man. So let's start, man. I am certified Wall Street Trapper. I am confident in my ability to make great investments. The stock market is a machine that prints money, and I am more than capable of operating that machine. Not only would I free myself, but my family will eat for a lifetime based off the information that I apply today. I am 
a money maker and wealth builder. Today, I break the chains that anchored me to the poverty mindset. My ancestors will smile because now I have turned my last name into an asset. My family's purchasing power will increase indefinitely. Today, I make the declaration that no longer will I be a slave to money. No longer will the generations behind me inherit lack. No longer will I submit to selling my time for money. I am a first-generation millionaire. I am the architect to my family's legacy. I am a certified Wall Street trapper, and Wall Street looks like us now. Let's go, y'all. Round of applause for that, man. Come on, man. Let's go, man. Salute to the trappers, man. Salute to the trappers, man. Let's dig in it, man. This week, man, we're going to get straight to it, man. Word on the street, man. This episode, this segment is brought to you by none other than Trappers Anonymous. Man, Trappers Anonymous is an amazing community. Whether you're a beginner investor, whether you're an intermediate investor, or whether you're an advanced investor, Trappers Anonymous is a great community for you. Our goal is to help you build wealth one share at a time, man. Whether it's uh, Moat Mondays where we talk about moats, whether it's Ticket Symbol Tuesday, where I personally put a stock in there that I've researched, whether it's Wild Out Wednesdays, where the community together break down the stock, whether it's ETF Thursday, where we take some risk off the table and help you identify ETFs that can work for you, whether it's Drip Friday, that's right, Drip Friday, where we actually break down dividend stocks. Say something Saturday, we just freestyle uh, if it lies from the kitchen on Sunday. This is our live two-hour class where we do presentations, where we break down stocks, at least three or four of them. Um, and then we do our book club on Thursdays. So definitely, man, if you want to be a part of Trappers Anonymous, click that link that's in the bio, man. It is $47 a month. You can cancel at any time. Welcome, 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 welcome. All my trappers in the chat, salute. What's up, y'all? I see y'all. I see y'all. I see y'all. Tomorrow morning, we are going to do a opening bell for all my trappers and trappers anonymous. Tomorrow morning, we are going to do a live opening bell where we just do a q and I do that like once or twice a week. So that all my trappers anonymous members, make sure you are, catch that link for that. I want to start off today with saying something like this. Why have we not challenged the economics of America? Why have we not challenged the economics of America? But instead we have acquiesced into the poverty mindset that has been given to us on a platter. So when I say the word acquiesce, I want you to understand that we are simply accepting something that has been given to us reluctantly without protest. We've accepted the fact of second-class citizenship. 
We've accepted the fact of going to certain schools that limit the education. We've accepted the fact that we have to work 40 years. We've accepted the fact that there has been a cap on the type of life we live. So instead, we have acquiesced into the poverty mindset. And they give it to us freely on a platter. Why? Why have we not challenged this? With limiting beliefs, have we accepted and then anchored to that has kept us from truly identifying our true value? Trapping soothes is thought provoking. It is my job and my philosophy as I talk about stocks and finances to influence the way you see money. I read a couple comments that said, man, this dude will be talking for 20 minutes before he talk about stocks. The problem is we always want the money before we get the mindset. The problem is we always want the money before we get the mindset. And so what has happened is, due to our lack of money, we don't understand that it is the mindset around money that has truly imprisoned us. It is the mindset around money that has truly enslaved us. I want you to ask yourself a question. Let's take a second and let's visualize the courage that it took our ancestors to voice their demands for wanting to be first-class citizens. I want you to take a second and ask yourself this question. What type of spirit what type of, of attitude, what type of con commitment did a person like O.W. Gurley have to have to start Black Wall Street? Now, mind you, this is we're talking about 56 blocks that is right across from a frustrated and angry white America. See, we don't know what it's like to live in blatant racism. See, see, they were bold in those days. Don't get me wrong, we, we have our issues now. It was 10 times worse then. I want you to think about the courage it took for Martin Luther King and those thousands of people to walk across that Selma Bridge. 
But not the time when they let him through. The time when the Alabama police beat their ass. When King didn't go. Think how much courage that took. To know in your heart of hearts that everything you did to speak up for yourself, that everything you did to say that you were worthy of the same type of treatment was met with resistance. A forceful resistance. I'm talking about a a resistance so blatant that they had the audacity to have colored only faucets. I want you to think about the courage that that took. In that era, we ain't had enough time to hate ourselves because we was too busy getting hated. We ain't had the time and energy to kill ourselves because we was too busy taking each other down from trees and getting beat by police. I want you to think about the courage it took for a black woman to say, I want to vote. I want you to think about what type of courage that took. We came from a group of people who saw freedom only in their mind. But yet we neglected. Why have we not challenged the economics of America? All right, man, let's get into it, man. Our first segment is called Word on the street, man. This is going to be one of the episodes, man. Shout out to 1,300 people in the chat, man. Jose, we got 1,300 people in the chat early, man. We leveling up. We leveling up. We 1,300 people in the chat. We 30 minutes in, man. Let's go, man. Hey, for all my new travelers, I just want y'all to know something. Blue Magic. That's a brand name. Like Pepsi. That's a brand name. I stand behind it. I guarantee it. They know that even if they don't know me any more than they know the the, the chairman of General Mill. We stand on it over here. All right, man. So let's go, man. So we start off. uh, The Nasdaq actually was up today, man. And so the Nasdaq is on a seven-day winning streak. Seven days. But. 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 I told y'all last week for Trapping Tuesday, them people pump faking. The Dow Jones is down. The S&P is down. It's going down. It's down. But remember what I told y'all. Last week, I showed y'all something, and I said, let's look at the calls and puts. And this is why I want y'all to really understand 
Like, I want y'all to t- truly go back and watch episode 25 because it was important. Episode 25 was important. In episode 25, we told you all about the put and call ratio. And I told y'all the reason why we didn't think that that, that rally was, was sufficient was because we still even though we had a green day, we did see a lot of sellers in the market. It wasn't a dominant performance. It wasn't a dominant performance. And so because it wasn't a dominant performance, because we didn't see the calls outperforming the puts, it was only maybe 40 or 50,000 more puts than calls. I mean, calls than puts. That let me know that, yes, we had some optimism in the market, but we had a whole lot of pessimism. That tells me that the optimism was based on something that they heard in the news that day. Instant gratification. Instant gratification. And so I want us to understand that. I want us to see that, and I want us to understand that, man. So let's go, man. Let's dig into the heat check right quick, man. As we dig into the heat check, again, we had uh, our heat check today was at point at one. Now remember, remember, anytime the put-call ratio is at one, that means we're in a semi-bearish market. Semi-bearish market. We're in a semi-bearish market. Now, look, we had 3.3 million 522,000 calls. We had 3,512,4300 puts, which tells us we still have a lot of sellers in the market. As long as we have all of these sellers in the market, we know that we are still up against a lot of pessimism. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? As long as we have all of these puts in the market, it tells us we still are up against a lot of pessimism. All right, let's dig a little deeper. Let's dig a little deeper. All right, here's our 10 industries today, man. We see consumers discretionary. 0.7, 0.7, consumer stables was flat, energy, 0.12, financials, minus, let's stop right there. We're going to talk about this a little later. We're going to talk about what happened with Goldman Sachs. This is important. This is important. We have healthcare, industrials, materials, uh, real estate, information technology, all down today. Let's dig a little deeper, man. Let's go a little deeper. All right, let's go a little deeper. So I wanted us to see something. This is good. If you invested $10,000 in the ETF, QQQ, here's what it looks like, right? So here's your top one, two, three, four, five, six. Here's the top eight companies in there, right? So... If you invested $10,000 in QQQ, you'd have $1,000 in Microsoft because this is the, it goes from biggest position down, right? So Microsoft, Apple, Google, Amazon, NVIDIA, Facebook, Tesla, and then Pepsi are the top eight positions. So maybe 70% of your money will go in these eight companies 
and then the remainder of the money will be spread out through the rest of the stocks inside of the portfolio. Here's what I want you to understand about that. When you invest in QQQ, you understand that Microsoft, Apple, Google, Amazon are the drivers of the ETF. This is something that people don't always talk about. When they tell you get the ETF, they, you got to look inside the ETF and see what is the top 10 positions. And then from that, what are the top three positions? Because these three positions are typically the drivers of the ETF. Meaning, as these three positions move, it's a good chance that the ETF moves. So why is QQQ down so much? Because Microsoft is down, Apple is down, well, Apple was down, Google was down, Amazon was down last year. This is why QQQ was down so much. You feel me? So when you're inside of your ETF, you want to find out exactly what's driving the ETF so you can know. Now, let's double down on this. Let's say you don't like QQQ, but you wanted to find another ETF that had Google, Apple, Microsoft. What you would do is say ETF that have Microsoft in it, ETF that have Google in it, ETF that has Amazon in it, ETF that has NVIDIA in it. And so now inside of those ETFs, now you can navigate ETFs that have different specific stocks in it. Now, some people will often get inverse ETFs confused, right? So inverse ETFs, your SQQQs and your TQQQs, these are ETFs that, so SQQQ and TQQQ, they're cousins to QQQ. One of them goes up when QQQ goes up and one of them goes up when QQQ goes down. These indexes, ETFs, are wrapped up with futures and other options contracts inside of them. They're never made to hold for the long term. God damn, we cooking already. Somebody online is trying to charge you $19.97 for this, man. Can you try to tell y'all this? All right, so let's break down this one. Let's break down the VOO, right, of the SPY, right? So let's say you had... This spot, let's say you invested $10,000 in this. Here we go. Now, this is spread out over 500 companies, right? Because this one will track the SPY. So, if you had $10,000 in it, $600 will go to Apple, $533 will go to Microsoft, $311 will go to Google, $260 will go to Amazon, $171 will go to Microsoft, so on and so forth. These are the top nine. Now, trap, that ain't $10,000. Of course it's not. Remember, the fund is broken down into 500 companies. So if we're putting every company at a dollar amount, when you look at the VOO, what you want to look at now is the percentage that the company has inside of the ETF. Golly, man. This is a goddamn masterclass again. This is a masterclass again. This should be a challenge or something, right? Golly. Damn. Shit. I'm going to do a chant. They're going to say, Trap, I heard it on episode 26. Yeah. <laughs> you feel me? So, but they say I talk too much on it. God dang on thing, man. So what happens is this, man. Now, well, Trap, why did QQQ have bigger? Well, because QQQ doesn't have 500 companies in it. 
the SPY or the VOO is going to have 500 companies in it. So that $10,000, 600 of it went to Apple. They have some companies inside of the, S- the VOO that may be getting $3 of your $10,000. Right? But we break it down into a percentage. Right? And once, they, once you break it down into a percentage, now you know what percentage of your money. So if you look at the VOO and it's Apple is at 8%, then you know that 10%, 8% of that $10,000 is an investment in Apple. Uh, that's how your money is spread out. But you're essentially invested in the fund itself. All right, so I just want to break that down for y'all right quick, man, because I know I got some ETF lovers, some index fund lovers, and I wanted you to see how exactly your money is broken down on a percentage basis inside of the ETF, on a percentage basis inside of the ETF. Let's go, man. Golly, man. (laughs) That boy is good. (laughs) That boy is good. All right, man. <laughs> oh, they should never give me that one. That's my favorite one. I ain't going to lie. I think that's probably my favorite one. All right, man. So now let's take, let me take you on another journey, right? Let me show you how you can find the perfect stock. Dave, just throw that graphic on the screen right quick. Let him get it. Let him get all of this big Mac. God. This is good, bro. We all the gate firing. Except, I'm going to keep it real, bro. There you go, Tootie. Turn up a little bit more. Turn up a little bit more, Tootie. Screenshot that. All right, cut it, cut it, cut it, cut it, cut it. Hey, man, listen. So if you want to find a stock, here's what I want you to do. All right, I'm going to go to the board for this one, man. Go to the board. I'm going to go to the board early, man. I'm on my seat early. Y'all don't even put my papers down. All right, let's go to the board early. All right, let's look at this. So we're going to draw a funnel, right? And what we're going to do is say, okay, first thing, my, you first things first. We put buy at the bottom. Why is buying this at the bottom? Because there's a formula that must take place before we buy. There's a formula that must take place before we buy. First thing, is this in my circle of competence? How do I know? Do I understand the business? Thank you for the super chat, family. Second thing, stability filter. Is the company in financial good shape? Is is the company financially in good shape? Now, that one may vary depending on where you at. It is okay to invest in a company that is not profitable if they can give you a profitability date 
and you see specific enhancement happening inside the business. What is those specific enhancements we're looking for, Trap? Okay, is revenue growing? Is earnings growing? How much debt are they taking on? If they're taking on a lot of debt, where is it going? Are they, is debt now going down? What phase of the business are they in? Are they in a growth phase? Are they in a stability phase? Like for me, a company that's in a growth phase, it's okay if that company has debt, but now I need a profitability day. Or I need to see how are you going to plan on getting away with that debt. If it's a company like AT&T, I don't want no part of you no more because you got too much debt. And because you don't have no growth in you, it's going to take you forever to get rid of that. So question I need you to write down. Homework. If the company has a lot of debt, what phase of the business is the company in? You feel me? All right, let's go down further. Why moat? Can it survive for a long time? Meaning, does the company have some type of competitive advantage that sets me apart from its peers? Do we have that competitive advantage? Do we have it? It must have it. It must have it. All right? Price. Is the share price cheap? Now, you got to go back. If you're in Travis Anonymous or if you took the Wall Street Trapping course, you understand how to find enterprise value. If not, go back to episode 24. We talked about how to use P.E. ratios. And the last thing we do is buy. Sit back down. Let me sit back down. Blue Magic, that's a brand name. Like Pepsi, that's a brand name. I stand behind. Come on, man. <laughs> Let's go, man. Let's go, man. All right. As we move forward, I want to show you something. Even in a buying and selling process, you must be able to find a risk between the financial risk and the emotional risk. So I want to show you something. When we're looking at financial risk, you want to ask yourself a couple of questions. What is my time horizon? What is my age? What is my tax bracket? And ultimately, in building out this portfolio, do you have to live off a portion of the portfolio or can it just appreciate? This is important. Time horizon. How long am I expecting this to be here? Age. How old am I? Tax bracket. Why is tax bracket important, Trap? Because everybody's tax bracket affects how they invest. Right? Your tax bracket affects how you invest. A person investing $10,000 a month is in a different tax bracket than a person who can invest $1,000 a month. I'm not saying either one is better, but the tax bracket now talks about how you allocate money to your portfolio. Golly, man. Did they teach y'all this in finance class in college? <laughs> I just saved somebody $100,000 in college. Just now. Ken, how you feeling? Uh, 
right, tell your financial, tell your finance teacher they can watch Trapping Tuesday, but tell them if they try to teach some of my stuff, they need to holler at me. This is a curriculum. It's a goddamn curriculum. This is a goddamn on curriculum. They can't just teach it without my knowing. Now, if they're going to tell a class about it, I'm not probably. It's all teaching. God damn it. I need my curriculum points. All right. So now we're, t- <laughs> so now we're talking about. <laughs> I see your cuz. Cuz sitting from bad Roy. <laughs> all right. Next, we're going to talk about emotional risk tolerance. Right? Emotional risk tolerance is a thing. There must be a balance between the two. We must ask ourselves this question, y'all, and I'm being real. Are we letting the data dictate our investment decisions or are we letting our emotions do it? Emotional investing will cost us a lot of money. I needed to hit that after that one, you heard me? Emotional investing will cost us a lot of money, y'all. I'm trying to save somebody. All right, so here's how we're going to distinguish some questions to ask ourselves when it comes to the emotional risk tolerance. Now, I know there's going to be a... This is something you... I. I ain't never even taught this before. That's the crazy part about Trapping Tuesdays, bro. Like, I be thinking about some of the stuff I be saying. I be like, dog, this is a whole, like, webinar. This will be a webinar. I ain't never even taught this before. Watch this. Emotional risk tolerance. One. All right, I'm going to give y'all 30 seconds to go get your pen and paper. First of all, it's a requirement. It should be a requirement. It should be a requirement for you every week for Trapping Tuesdays. All right, 30 seconds up. Watch this. Let's write this down. Are you aggressive when the market is well? Are you aggressive when the market is well? Are you aggressive when things are bad? Write that down. Are you aggressive when the market is well? Are you aggressive when things are bad? So why do we ask this question? Well, when the market, when the market is doing good, do you find places to be aggressive at? Right? Because there's people who, when the market doing good, they're like, you know what? I'm going to just sit on my hands. I ain't going to do nothing. I'm going to play a conservative. Then there are people when the market is in bad times, they're aggressive. And there are some people during bad times that are conservative. We're talking about, ira- we talking about uh, rationalizing and putting a face on your emotional risk tolerance. We're talking about putting a face on it. We're talking about dressing it up. Dressing it up and make it real for me. That went over y'all head. That went over their head. They went, after the, they went over their head. Ken, that went over their head. They don't even know. Come on, man. Y'all know future prophets. Stop playing. Right? Next. Are you conservative when things are good? Are you conservative when things are bad? 
Watch this. We're going to do a little deeper. Go a little deeper. Do you panic in tough situations? We're talking about, we're talking about helping you balance your emotional risk tolerance here. We're talking about giving you an identity. All right? Because some people, when the market is like in tough situations in the market, you're like, I don't know what to do. But if some people is, bye, I don't care. I don't care. All right? Watch this. Can you remain calm? Here's my question. Does data direct you or does emotion drive your investment decisions? We at least want to be somewhere around 70-30. Anything beyond a 30% emotional risk tolerance, you got work to do. I want you to understand something. The expected value, watch this, y'all. This is about to be good. This is about to be good for y'all. Ooh, this is about to be good. I like when I come up with these on the fly. Watch this. Every day as an investor, it is your goal to translate investment opportunities into investment probabilities. This is where the true skill is at. Okay, I'm gonna say that again. Say it again. Say it again. This is good. This, we ain't even start talking. We ain't even, we ain't even got into the market yet. You feel me? This still the appetizer. This still the, <laughs> this, this still the appetizer. And two of them talking about, man, bring the bill. All right, let's say it again. Every day as an investor, you must translate investment opportunities into probabilities. This is where the true skill is at. Let's break this down. Watch this. Let's think about a lottery ticket for a second. Let's think about a lottery ticket for a second. The value of a lottery ticket is in the potential that you can hit the jackpot. The probabilities of you winning is where the investor judges the investment. All right, let's dig in again. Let's dig in it again. Let's dig in it again. The value the expected value of the lottery ticket is in the potential that you can hit the jackpot. Right? But watch this. The potential in you hitting the jackpot has nothing to do with the probabilities. The emotion of you seeing the jackpot number is what makes you say, I want to play that. The probability defines how much you as an investor are willing to make in that investment. Yeah! All right, man. We're going a little further. Listen, we're going a little further. We're going to go a little further. I want to drive in on this because now we're doing this. We are now 
making you an investor. So the first thing we did was give you financial risk, and then we gave you the emotional risk tolerance, and now we painting it out for you. We painting it out for you. All right, let's go. Listen, before we go a little further, I need you to share this with somebody who you really know won't learn. I need you to share this with somebody like, yo, you need to come in here. Like, I don't know what you're doing right now, but you need to come in over here. Like, trap. I don't know. I don't know if Martin Luther King's birthday inspired you. I don't know if you watched I Have a Dream speak. I don't know if even Sun We Shall Overcome, which I probably did. But at some point, we need to... I'm not gonna lie, I wish I was born in like the 60s, yo. Imagine. What's good, Trappers, man? It's your boy, the Wall Street Trapper. Right now, I wanna invite you to an amazing experience full of value, right? That is my community, Trappers Anonymous. It's 100% the greatest fundamental investing community on the market. Listen. Your portfolio should be a masterpiece. And the only way we get you there is if we help you learn how to invest with confidence. Now listen, I get it. Like you don't know a lot about stocks or maybe you've heard people say how much money they lost in stocks, but I can guarantee you one, because they weren't in the community and two, they lacked the information. Our goal in Travis Anonymous is to help you, really to hold your hand on the journey to becoming a confident investor, learning how to navigate through the different events that the stock market goes through, to bring your temperament down, to take you from panic to encouragement. So listen, man, come join us in Trappers Anonymous. The link is below. Listen, if you want to be helped, if you want to truly make money in the stock market, if you truly want to let your money work harder for you than you work for it, there's no better time than now. This is an opportunity only for those who are willing be on the journey. So listen, man, click the link below. Come join me in Travis Anonymous, man. I will see you in one of our many classes, whether it's Moat Monday, whether it's the two-hour class we do on Sunday, or whether it's just a book club. Everything is geared toward making you a better investor so you can triple your network and turn your last name to an asset. It's your boy, Wall Street Traveler. See you in the trap. Watch this. The average lottery ticket, watch this, watch this. I'm about to dig a little deeper right here. I'm about to dig deep right here, I can hear it. You know you get a good idea and you be like, bruh. Watch this. The average lottery ticket loses 80% of its value immediately after the purchase because the purchase was never made on data it was made on emotion. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. The average lottery ticket loses 80% of its value immediately after purchase because the purchase was not made based off data. It was made off emotion. The probability was null and void, only the possibility, which are two completely different things. Yo, I am cooking. I am cooking. Jose, I need another sound that is like a bacon and egg sound. Like a This is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. Like the sizzle, the sizzle, the I need that. Because I am cooking gumbo. 
up here. Seafood at that. With the filet. You feel me, Ken? <laughs> My girl, Ken, up here, man. Last Christmas, not in 2021, 2022, but 2021, Ken came to my house for Christmas, and I made gumbo. But I said, Ken, you coming from New Orleans, go to the store and get some filet. Filet. Jose country. <laughs> if you're not from New Orleans, or if you're not from the South, they may not even have it in your store. But if it is in your season section, you may see it and it may say foul. But there's an apostrophe on the thing, an accent that don't say foul. It say filet. 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 <laughs> Ken, that, that gun was good? Yo, we tore that pot up, bro. Man, get the people out of here. All right, let's get back on track. Let's get back on track. Let's get back on track. Now, watch this. Think about this, y'all. The average investor. So watch this. The lottery ticket loses 80% of its value solely after the purchase. Why? Because the purchase was made off of emotional intelligence, not probabilities, but possibilities. Possibilities. Watch this, y'all. Financial intelligence is the ability to train your brain to see investment opportunities that the eye doesn't always see. A great investor knows. Watch this, y'all. A great investor knows that this game is all about knowledge and not luck. The minute you say, I hope, is the minute you lose at this game. The minute the knowledge and the data dictates the decision, you immediately increase the possibilities. And then you put the probabilities into play. The goal of Trapping Tools is to make sure that everybody always increases their possibilities based on data and not emotions. And so my question for you is this. What are the principles behind the investment decisions that you make? All right, let's go a little further, man. That was good, man. That was good, man. That was good, man. We brought it back. We brought it back. We brought it back. All right. So let's look at the outlook of the market, man. Let's look at the outlook of the market, right? So this Goldman Sachs uh, analyst said that he sees the S&P 500 uh, return to 4,000 at the end of the year. So he's saying that the market will be flat by year's end. I'm thinking, this is a mark my word, I'm thinking we can get probably anywhere between, I'm thinking this year we can get about 4,200, bro. 4,200 is my call for this year, bro. 
I'm thinking we'll see the low of 32. I'm thinking we'll get back to 42. I know y'all thinking that's a lot. I'm thinking my low can be somewhere between 32 and 34. Low, bottom out. Remember, that was my base case scenario last year. We hit 35. I needed to go 100 points, but it hit 35 and it stopped on me. This year, I think the high, we can hit 42 to 43. I think we'll get the low at about 34. That's what I'm thinking. We're talking about the S&P. That's what I'm thinking. That's how I feel. I feel like last, last year my call was 32. We got to 35. We, re, we hit the bottom we hit, and we went back up. My call for this year is, I see my guy Zay in the chat. My call for this year is, I think we can hit 42, 43-ish. I think our low will hit 34 as the low for 2023. Thank you for the super chat. Yep. My high is 42. My low is 34 for this year. That is a mark of my word. Episode 26, Trap gave his ranges. Low, 34. High, 42. That's my ranges. That's my ranges. That's my range. That's, that's my range. Right? So he also said, earnest, earnest per share. He don't see no growth. Um, he says that the valuations on P.E. will not change. So P.E. ratios is about 17. He's saying they won't change. He's also saying the economy will slow down but not hit a recession. Now, you know, I say we are in a recession. They just don't want to call it what it is. But we already in one. You feel me? All right, let's go, man. Let's go. All right, man. So watch this, man. So I want to talk about this today. So Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs picked Alibaba as their Chinese stock pick of the year. Hmm. Morgan Stanley said it has a 70% upside. Goldman Sachs says it's going to go up by 25%. And they are basing this off the reopening of China. They're basing this off... Now, the Chinese economy did slow down and the Chinese population did slow down. So I'm wondering, what is the upside that they see? Now, the thing about Alibaba is this. The company actually has a great balance sheet. The company actually owns some great things. It's a holding company now. But I just, I don't want us as trappers to truly take on the risk of investing in China. Why? This ain't what I said. Why? Because here's my thing. The Chinese government doesn't follow the same rules when it comes to how they put out information about their stocks. And I don't trust that. I don't trust the Chinese government. I'm not being biased. I just don't trust it. Now, 
Here's what I do want to say. This is something good I want us to pay attention to. I'm going to talk about banks right quick because this is a good environment for banks, I think, especially regional banks. Watch this. Today, Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley reported earnings. Goldman Sachs missed earnings. Morgan Stanley beat earnings. It was the worst quarter that Goldman Sachs had in 11 years. This is the biggest drop in revenue they had. Now, remember that Goldman Sachs is a wealth management bank, so they deal with top-tier clients. They also lost $1.2 billion when it comes to the Marcus account that they created. Now, that helped them deal with uh, savings and loans, and they wanted to get into what's called the subprime consumer market. I want you all to write that down. Because I'm about to tell you something right here. They also had credit provisions and higher operating costs. But I want you to understand something like this. Even though you heard about the subprime markets in 2008, I want you to understand that the subprime consumer is still here. The subprime consumer is the poor. Banks will always, damn, banks will always target certain dynamics in their operations to the subprime consumer. Fact. In the last two years, the wealthy 1% of America has increased their wealth by two-thirds. That means over the last two years, pandemic, 2020, 2021, 2022, the wealth has increased their wealth by two-thirds while the world is screaming recession. Why? Because they have found ways to put products and make great investments in distressed assets. This is why in the beginning we talked about the mindset. I want you to write down and I want you to go do some homework on the subprime consumer. See, this is the type of language they talk about and they talk about you and I in, because I'm no better than you. They talk about us in these type of terminologies. Subprime consumer. I read a book, the other the article the other day that said the subprime consumer is stressed. The subprime consumer has spent, on average, 60% of their savings. The subprime consumer has a credit card utilization that is up by 78%. The subprime consumer is behind, on average, 60 days on the most important bills in their household. I want you to understand that the subprime consumer still exists. And if you don't shift the way that you see money, the way that you use money, and the way that you philosophize around money, you will always be the subprime consumer. There's an economic shift that is taking place. And the proof is in the data. We Everybody want to come on and you look on everybody on Instagram and everybody on social media and they want to drop these bars about generational wealth. Well, we cannot get to the bottom of generational wealth if we do not shift the way that we financially see, think, and use 
money. The people talk about us in terms like subprime consumer. You are the same people who they gave loans to on homes that you could not afford. I want you to understand that right now we all are in, we are the residue of the financial crisis. We are the residue of the people who got took advantage of during the subprime financial crisis. We are the residue of that. We have still have trauma behind that. Whether you realize it or not, you've learned how to normalize abnormal financial conditions. You've normalized it. You've learned how to operate in dysfunctional environments. But we're talking about financial dysfunction. Because everybody gets up every day and eats and breathes and sleeps and, and, and do all the things that normal people do. But we're talking about financial dysfunction. So there can be no generational wealth. There can be no turning my last name to an asset. There can be no freedom. There can be no time freedom if we don't transition from the subprime consumer, people. Experiences and environments dictate, oh, this is good, this is good, this is good, intelligence. Man, try what you're talking about. How the hell is the environment? And Because watch this, y'all. You can read all the books you want. But if you're not in an environment that is conducive to growing that knowledge base, that person will get discouraged. Too many of us are anchored to financial trauma. Too many of us are anchored to financial trauma. Question, how many people? So let's do some internal work. Remember, this is something that I always like to say, y'all, right? Like the inner me is the real enemy. The enemy only you know. I don't know the enemy. You walking, talking, living, breathing, seeing that. So when somebody say you good for him, I'm good is your response. Why? Because that financial trauma is within. On the outside, you good. Inside, there's a whole different world going on. Until we heal from that financial trauma, we cannot transition from being the subprime consumer. Let's go, man. All right, so let's talk about this, man. Damn, and we're talking about banks. Look how this married into that. The goals will always tell us a story. So let's marry into that, right? So U.S. regulator Michael Hisu. 
think that's his name. He threatens to bake up, break up big banks because they are too big to manage, right? Meaning, you know, the banks is getting away with too much, man. They're getting a lot of money, right? Think about it, right? This is why that could So let's look at the top 10 banks based on assets. Assets. Capital One, 391 billion. TD Bank, 394 billion. Goldman Sachs, 533 billion. Truist Financial Group, to all the business owners, Truist, right, 534 billion. PNC Services, 553 billion. But let's just go a little further. Watch this. Wells Fargo, 1 trillion. Citigroup, 1 trillion. Bank of America, 1 trillion. JP Morgan Chase, 1 trillion. Check this out. One, two, three, and four were the same four banks plus two more that uh, created the Federal Reserve. These four banks plus two more created the Federal Reserve. They are shareholders in America. Oh man, we cooking tonight. We cooking tonight. And we cooking with uh, olive oil tonight. Not like going gumbo, bro. I should flush you. Right? These four banks, JP Morgan Chase, Bank of America, Citigroup, Wells Fargo, and two more other banks went to a little island in Georgia. Read the book called The Jekyll, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Read the book. The creature from Jekyll Island. These six banks created the Federal Reserve. They are shareholders in America, meaning they get a profit from everything that America does. This is the things that is not talked about, y'all. These are the things that's not talked about. The Federal Reserve is a completely separate entity from the United States. That's right. The Federal Reserve, we hear Jerome Powell talking. Yo, the Federal Reserve and the United States are two completely different entities. Why? Because the people who created, the bankers who created the Federal Reserve said America is too stupid to deal with banks. They are good at running America. They can't, politicians can't deal with banking because polit- this is what they're saying. So they said, hey, check this out. You stick to the politics, we'll take care of the money. This is what happened. J.P. Morgan Chase was a gangster. He said, yo, just let me and the Rock... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We talking about the Rockefeller. We talking about the Rothschilds. Hey, yo, you deal with the... Hey, y'all deal... Listen, the Rock... The Rothschild says a dope-ass quote. He said, listen, just give me control of the money. I don't care who make the laws. You gotta be a gangster to make a quote like that. You know why? Because a certain level of money... You play by a different set of rules. Especially if you're a white man in America. I said it, Jose. I don't care. I said it. I said it. All right. Go a little further, man. So he's thinking about breaking the banks. I will say how that go. Now, that's good. This, this goes a little deeper. Here, yo. Right? We talk about Janet Yellen. The U.S. will hit the debt limit Thursday. Let's talk about that for a second. 
Okay, so let's break this down. Let's break this down. The debt limit is the total amount of money that the United States government is authorized to borrow to meet existing legal obligations. Social Security, medical benefits, military salaries, interest on national debt, and tax refunds, along with some other payments. These are, this was called obligatory. Ooh, 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 that boy said a word. If y'all ain't been paying attention, I've been saying some words today, boy. I've been saying some words today. You feel I hit him with some words today, man. Okay, so they have to pay those. They can borrow to pay those. Now, here's the thing. They hit the limit Thursday. They got to avoid default. They got the United States now have to take steps to avoid default. This is a whole nother issue. This is a whole nother issue. Now, listen. I just like to put stuff in terms in which I know how this goes. It's a black man in America who's probably a product of redlining at some point in my life. If I had a negative $25 in my account and I tried to borrow some money, I would get a cute little receipt that said, Insufficient funds, Mr. Howard. Or I would get a call that said, Mr. Howard, we saw that you tried to retrieve some money from your bank account. Um, it has insufficient funds. Now, here's what I did. Once I realized that, I started charging stuff on the debit card. Because what I realized was they would let you charge the stuff on the debit card as long as you didn't try to get no cash. Why? Because America is a country that loves what? Debt. When you're investing in the bank, it is important that you understand how the bank makes money. Do they make money from fees? Do they make money from interest? Do they make money from loans? No matter what bank you're in, deposits are king. Oh, we, we talking tonight. We cooking up. This is some jumbo. This is some yakamine right here, boy, from uptown, man, right? So now I want to show you something. Let's show them this dead clock right quick, man. Today, I need some, I need a, I need an old beat that you got that got a little like young and a restless, sad, like. Yeah, I need that. I need that. Yeah, some some sad. Hey. So we're looking at right here. We're looking at the usdebtclock.org. Keep it going, Tudor. I'm gonna stand up for a second. Cause I need y'all to see this. Right here it says national debt. That says $31 trillion. 
This says 31 trillion 495 billion dollars in U.S. debt. Now I want to go a little further. This says 94,211 in debt per citizen. So that means you, your daughter, your little kid, even your puppy owes the government $940 to $94,000. But watch this. If you're a taxpaying citizen, if you're a taxpaying citizen, you are $246,867 in a hole. This if you're a taxpaying citizen. So that means if you got a job, you're an entrepreneur, you're a contractor, per citizen, per taxpayer, everybody except Donald Trump. It's $246,000 in a hole. How? How? How can we beat that? All right, Tudor. Good job, man. I needed to get emotional for a second. I needed just to understand that. $31 trillion in the hole. Orange man is the only one who is not in the hole. The rest of us, we born in debt. So let me show you something though. This is why it is important for each and every one of you to learn how to play this game. This is why that $31 trillion, we can't do nothing about that. That is the number one reason why your money needs to be in some type of assets. Because as long as this is it, but you just think about it. If you already in a negative, we see these numbers that's green, no matter who you are, no matter where you are in the world, we understand one thing. Money is a universal language. Red mean negative, green mean positive. I don't care if you're in China. I don't care if you're in, 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 in Hawaii. I don't care if you're in Bali. I don't care if you're in Paris. I don't care if you're in Russia. Red means bad, negative. Green means on go. The money will never have value until that 31 trillion becomes green. The money will never have value until the 31 trillion becomes green. Let me take you a little further. I am 40 years old. 
be 41 this year. We have only known the America that is the America as a superpower. There will come a time. There will come a time when the America that we know will not be the superpower. There will come a time where we won't be the big dog. You cannot be the big dog with a $31 trillion deficit. You ain't got no money. Come on, I'm broke, baby. I ain't got no money. Damn right. On. I'm broke, baby. I ain't got no money. Bullshit. I see you shining, nigga. I can smell a motherfucker with money. I promise you this. And if you don't take my word for it, go read Principles by Ray Dalio. Or you can look at it on YouTube. The reason why the, the reason why it's called the New World Order is because the strongest companies have to shift. When a country, be, when a country becomes weak, other countries partner. Okay, let me take you on a little history lesson right quick. The reason why The reason why Gaddafi had to go. The reason why Gaddafi had to go is because he said to all other African countries, we do not need America. The oil is here. The minute those countries stop using the petrodollar, which means oil can only be bought and trade in American money, the minute those countries say, nope, we're not using that, we will create the dinar, which is what Gaddafi was trying to create. The minute he said, yo, we going to use these, these dollars right here. We don't need them no more. America say he got to go. I'm not mad at America because I live in America and I realized that that was a business decision. He threatened the stability of America. Did he have truth? 100%. But it takes a lot to challenge the muscle. Malika, it takes a lot to challenge the muscle. I don't care if I'm broke, baby. I still got muscle. And I ain't gonna lie. One thing America knew how to do is fight. They ain't built the strongest military in the world for nothing. It's gonna take some hell and high water to take them off the throne. But that 31 trillion is a weakness. 
And if we don't find a way to restructure that, if we don't find a way to fix that, we will live in America. We will live in a world where America will not be the superpower. And I don't know how any of us gonna know how that feels. <laughs> All right, let's go a little further, y'all. God damn, we cooking tonight. Now hit the like button for me, man. We have 1,500 people in the chat tonight. Let's clap for that. Hey, this year, Jose, we're going to break that 2,000, bro. We're going to break that 2,000. I'm probably going to break that 2,000, man. We're going to break that 2,000, man. We got to break that 2,000, man. We got to break that 2,000. I'm in a bind, Nate. Oh, God. Some other time. I really need this money. <laughs> hey, she kills me at the end with that. I really need this money, Nate. Boy, that's some pitiful shit, that boy. Damn. Damn, bro. That's fuck. That's messed up, dog. Let me say this right quick, y'all. Can I? Can I? This week, man. Never mind. I ain't gonna say it, man. I ain't gonna say it, man. Shout out to my brother Larry Morrow. This week I went to Houston, man, and I had an amazing time. I wasn't supposed to go out. You know, I'm inside. I'm not outside. You know, be like, we outside. I'm inside. I don't go nowhere. And I went on this voyage with him. You know, I'm 40 years old, man. I don't like doing that much. But I really had fun this weekend for my dog's birthday. We did the entrepreneur lunch. I hosted that with some other amazing entrepreneurs. Then he was like, bro, call me to the day party. I went with him to the day party. And then we went to the club that night. We had an amazing time. I had a flight that morning. And he was like, bro, man, you've been with me all day. Man, you got you to gotta rock with me, man. We're going go to go the, to, the, to the strip club. Now... If everybody who know Trap, like, I used to be the strip club man. It was my thing. Especially when I first got to the A. 2015, the first time I came in 2012, the A turned me out. I ain't gonna lie, I was like a kid in the I started traveling the world going to strip club. I went to every Miami, New York, Starlets, I'm everywhere. So I went to the strip club, man. And I'm not going to lie, yo. Nothing against the strip club. I'm not going to say. I was bored. Because this is not my thing no more. You know what I'm saying? Like, the flame, follies. Hey. Got a lot of money out your boy. But it's just, I'm, I'm not in that phase no more. So it ain't my thing no more. Nothing against, no, nothing against the dancing. That's not my thing no more. But when I first started this, my mission was to get dope dealers out the street and get dancers out the club. That was my mission in the beginning. Early trap. That was my mission. So at around, my flight left at 6, so at around 3, 30, 4 o'clock, I'm like, bro, I'm about to go. You know, we had the security, so I leave. So I'm walking out the club, and these two dancers, one was dancing and one was, she was dancing on a guy, giving him a lap dance. And the other dancer was at the bar talking to a guy. So they was doing their thing. Both of them stopped me and said, Wall Street Traveler. 
I look. I say, what? You feel me? And they both said something to me. They said, man, you're going to get us out of this club. Keep doing what you're doing. I left the club smile like I had got something that night. I was blushing. My shit was pink. <laughs> My cheeks. This man, Jose, man. What's wrong with that dude, man? My cheeks, damn, I don't even sound right either. Pause. Damn, bro. I was smiling, man. But it felt good, man, to, to know, um, to know that my goal in the beginning of this was to, I know, I know the culture I come from. I come from, I come from the streets. That's where Wall Street Trapper come from. And so a lot of people, a lot of the females I knew in Kent, you know them, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's the thing in New Orleans. Like, boom, go to a strip club, like, figuring it out. The strip clubs in New Orleans ain't all that, but they in there grinding. And that's a hard grind. Like, strip, stripping is a hard grind. It, it, they, you know, don't get me wrong, the internet may glorify it, but it's a hard grind. And those two, those two ladies, man, they hit me and they was like, they was together. It, it kind of made me feel like they watched Trap and Tootie together. Cause they was like, man, keep doing what you're doing, man. Like, you're gonna get us out this club. And that meant I, I left the, like, I was bored in the club, but I left the club, I was smiling like, damn, like, bad. You know what I'm saying? And you just never know the impact you got. You just never know how you inspire people. And that's why it's always good to just be comfortable in being yourself. Because you just never know, man. So shout out to them two queens, man. You know, and that's the goal, man, to help them get up out that club, man. This is a hard grind, man. Just like trapping, man. It's a hard grind. Let's go, man. All right, man. So I wanted to highlight something right quick. You know, we're talking about the ladies in the club and we realize that the, the beauty market is a big market that doesn't get a lot of, uh, it doesn't get talked about a lot, right? But I want to highlight these nine companies that truly own the entire beauty industry. LVMH, because they have uh, Sephora, Fenty falls under there. Johnson & Johnson actually have beauty products. Procter & Gamble has beauty products. Unilever has beauty products. Estee Lauder, L'Oreal. Uh, and Ulta Beauty is the one I like the most. Ulta Beauty is the one I like the most because the company has no debt. It is ran by a woman. It's ran by a woman. She killing it over there. So I, I never could get into the company the way I wanted to. Um, but... These are the eight companies that own the beauty industry. So if you're into beauty, so I, I'm going to say this. So remember I always say something, man. You don't have to invest in, don't invest, you don't have to invest in what you use, but use what you use as a investment chart. 
Meaning, okay, you may use Estee Lauder, for instance, or you may use Supercent, right? You may use the crayon case, right? Shout to Super, but she isn't a public company. But you may understand makeup. And so because you understand makeup now, you can look at these nine companies and say, hey, I understand makeup. I understand the business of makeup. Matter of fact, Super owns Ulta's crayon case. We need to be talking about how that company can go public in the next five years, how we can create, get that company to go public in the next five years. Matter of fact, I'm going to talk to her about that. But also, um, now you can invest in makeup companies. To all my queens that wear makeup, I ain't mad. I'm not a person to tell you not to wear makeup, man. Wear your makeup, man. Do what you got to do. To make you feel good about yourself, cool. But you should be investing in these. You should be investing in these. All right, let's go, man. So here's three factors that affect the stock market in the short term. In the short term. One, slowing sales. Slowing sales, particularly in growth stocks, can cause stock to drop significantly. Rumors and news. Rumors and news can 100% dictate the way the stock market... It's like when the stock market is already on edge, rumors and news take it to another level. Right? And then missing expectations. When a company misses expectations, it will 100% bring the stock down. Prime example today, um, brain freeze. Today, Goldman Sachs missed expectations. Stock went down 6%. Expectations. My caveat to that is this. In the short term, because the company does miss expectations or slow in sales or has rumors, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad stock. We got to understand what was it that made that happen? What was it that caused sales to slow down? What was it that caused the rumor in the news? And what was it that caused the expectation miss? If we can identify those key factors, then we can ask ourselves, has the story changed on this business? And then that asks us the next question. Is it a damaged stock or is it a damaged company? We like damaged stocks. We do not like damaged companies. Let's go, man. God, we cooking tonight, man. We on fire tonight, y'all. Ken, how you feeling? You feel good? It's my girl, man. My dog, man. All right, so let's get into this segment right here, man. Women who get money, man. So I saw this little thing and I actually wanted to repost it, man. These are the uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight richest women in the world. And they get money with a capital B. <laughs> they get money with a capital B. Uh, we got the one from, from BMW. She's worth six, $24 billion, Right? We got the Mars family. We got her in there. She worth $31 billion. We got Jeff Bezos' wife. Bezos. Bezos. I don't know. I'm... I can't take nothing away from her. Here's why. And I know a lot of times we say, I'm not going to say we because I don't say it. 
Nah, we gonna, Jose, I'm being good on this one. I don't say it. I just seen it on the internet. Right, because we don't say it. Right? We got some females. Shout out to the queens. I'm on y'all's side. <laughs> I'm going to cop that plea. You right about that. I'm going to say this. And, I, and I'm going to be 100% real with y'all. As a woman who is married to a successful man, and you was with him when he was broke. There's this level of sacrifice that you must bear in order for him to get to that level. 100%. 100%. The reason why I honor my daughter mama so much is because she bared the burden of let me travel, let me go do the interviews, let me do the stuff, let me, yo, I'm up tonight, I can't watch her, I'm about to quit the job, I can't pay for all the stuff, I'm gonna just pay for the school, but I can't pay for all the other stuff, I can't give you the money I used to be giving you, but when I get on, I got you. So when she asks me for something, even when she don't, she don't ask me for nothing, I'm gonna give her. So there is a level of sacrifice that a woman has to take on unbeknownst. <laughs> I'm on fire, Jose. I will be whooping somebody butt on a Scrabble board right now. I'm trying to tell you, boy. Um, but there's a, there's a level of sacrifice that she got to make. And, and those, type of women got, those type of women have to be compensated. I'm not going to lie. It is what it is. Now, it's a difference when it's a difference when I'm already on and you come in. I'm not saying that you don't deserve anything. But I don't know if half is the right percentage. But, but in order for me to continue my success, she also has to take on some level of sacrifice. Because as men, as men, the one thing that drives a man fully is knowing he is an alpha provider. I ain't talking about alpha male. That, that word get used crazy out here. But he's an alpha provider. He's an apex entrepreneur. Ooh, we getting deep right now. I'm slinging them out there now. Nah. Man I, man, I own this building, bro. I heard you. <laughs> I got you. Right? There, there's a, there's something that drives, like, so as a man, like, let me tell y'all my story for a second. Yes, Tweet, I got to tell it. As a man, when I was going through my trial, I was broke. I was dating a female and I was like, man, I don't want to date you no more. It might have wasn't the right thing to do. I get it. 
financially, I brung no value. As men, we are taught that our value is, 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 is associated with how we can protect and what we can provide. Right? As men. Now, and there's nothing, there is nothing that a woman can say or do to make me feel different. She can love on me. She can support me with her words. But there's something that's embedded inside of my DNA that tells me if I'm not providing at a certain level and I'm not protecting at a certain level, I need to be able to like get in my judge. Now, it's different if we marry. If we already married and I go there, then I got to figure it out. That's going to be a tough marriage until he get back on his feet or where he feel he belong. It's going to be a tough marriage because he ain't going to never feel worthy. And I'm going to be real with you, bro. If you out here broke, bro, you should not be chasing women. If you out here broke, bro, and you ain't got your stuff together, king, like, man, the nookie should not be ewing. I'm going to rock a car to be on that one. And not saying you don't deserve it, but it shouldn't be on your mind. Your only turn on should be how I'm going to go get me some money. That should be the only thing that turn you on. What business idea I got to go get me some money? Because see, for me, when I'm sleeping on my auntie's sofa and I'm paying my daughter nursery, which was only like $150 a week, I'm like, man, I, gotta, I can't let my daughter mama bear that bird. My daughter needs stuff. I got to go get some money. This business got to work. We got to put this together. So I'm not going to say that she doesn't deserve the money that she got when they split because she was with him when he had the idea. And so we don't know the level of sacrifice and the level of uh, emotional abuse. Not saying he was abusing her, but him being a working man, I got to go here, I got to go there, I got to go here, I got to go there. She had to put her emotions on a back burner so he can go be the richest man in the world. You feel me? So not only did he go get one billion, he even got a couple hundred of them. There's a certain level of sacrifice she got to take. And so when he divorced, I was like, he ain't complaining. Now, what did piss me off was she left the man and got a science teacher. I'm like, hey, what we doing here? What the hell we doing here? That ain't work either. <laughs> she was on the wrong level for that. I would have looked at her like, this is what we doing, bro? A science teacher? Nothing wrong with a science teacher. But how you go from the richest man in the world to a science teacher? Yo, something ain't mathing right here. So, but, you know. Next song, we got uh, uh, Julia Cooch from the Koch family. Definitely a banger. But watch this. Sam Walton people. He got five of them. He got five of them in the fours list. And then, the queen from L'Oreal. We talked about this. We talked about this. We talked about this. All right. So I definitely just wanted to highlight the queens right quick, man. You know, they getting money. One day I'm going to see Jessica up here from Real BB Judy. I'm going to see you up there. Uh, one day I'm going to see Super Sin up there. I got, I'm going to see you up there. My girl Nat, one day I'm going to see you up there. 
You know what I'm saying? Uh, they got some entrepreneurs out here getting to a bag. B. Marie, I'm going to see you up there. Go get you a billion. You know what I'm saying? Let's serve. We're going to see Oprah up there. So shout out to the queens. Right quick, let me just shout out to the queens that's getting money. One more time. We're going to shout out to the queen. Where my five-figure queens at? Let's get my... Let's get a six-figure queens a round of applause. Where my millionaire queens at? Let's get a round of applause. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right. Fellas, I ain't, I ain't gonna be like, man, he's simping up there, man. He's, uh, uh, uh. I'm just trying to get a queen some love, fellas. Just trying to get a queen some love, y'all. All right, let's go, man. Back in action. Let me go, man. So, watch this, man. So, a couple months ago, I, t- I showed this company to Trappers Anonymous. It's a company called uh, JB Truck, JB Hunt. Um, and it's actually a great company when it comes to trucking. But here's what I, here's what I, here's what I, Here's what I like about this company right now. They are trucking in profits. The company continues to be expectation despite a tightened economy, despite a driver shortage, despite a food shortage. They remain attracting even as recession fears unfairly weigh on the shares. Let's go a little further. Let's go a little further. Let's go a little further. They were still able to bring in profits despite shortage in drivers, shortage in trailers, and shortage in food. J.B. Hunt, to all my truckers, if you are in the trucking industry, right, we talk about investing in what we know. If you're in the trucking industry, then you understand how the trucking industry works. So you need to be looking at companies like J.B. Hunt. You need to be looking at transports. You need to be looking at the trucking um, ETF. Right? You need to be looking at these type of companies. You need to be looking at companies like Cummings Engines. You need to be looking at these type of companies because you understand them. You need to understand. You understand them. It's not hard for you to understand that business model. Companies that sell diesel gas. You need to look at them companies. Why? You understand that business model. It's easier for you to invest in companies, not that you always use, but companies that have business models that are similar to what you use. Let's go a little further, man. We cooking tonight, man. All right, man. Let's talk about electric vehicles, man. So this was, this was, this kind of brung me up, right? Because y'all know that I, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a fan of the electric, the EV space. Episode 24, we talked about the different ways that we can get into electronic vehicles, not just through the cars, but electronic vehicles counted for 10% of global auto sales last year. Now, that's not a lot, but it made up, they sold 7.8 million EVs. That's a 68% increase from 2021. Think about that. That is a, 20, a 68% increase from 2021. Also, the industry is growing faster than predicted. Remember, by 2030, there's a few companies out here that are saying, yo, we will be full EV by 2030. Mind you, we are in 2023. That is only seven years away. That is one time you go to sleep, wake up, boom, it's 2030. That's how fast time flies. You go to sleep, boom, I'm up. Uh, damn, it's 2030. 
So he's saying in seven years, there will be some automobile companies that will be full EV companies. Seven years ain't long, y'all. Seven years ain't long. So I thought I'd bring it up. Let's go a little further. Right? I want y'all to see something that I was really looking at. So we talk about eating out and we talk about restaurants. And so I saw that the average person spends about $1,200 a year on fast food alone. While the average American household spends around 10% of their income, that adds up to $110 billion a year. I want you to sit on that and think on that. The average American individual is spending $1,200 a year on fast food alone. While the average household spends around 10% of their income on fast food. So now that tells us that adds up to about $110 billion a year on fast food. Let's go a little further. Let's go a little further. It's fast food will outperform restaurants. Why? This is me just doing the homework. People are reducing savings. Rising credit card balances gas prices, and possible deeper recessions. Watch this. Go a little deep. Let's go a little deep. Let's go a little deep right here. Watch this. Then go to the next one, Dave. We should have one more about restaurants. We should have one about restaurants. Right there. No, no, no. One more. It should have restaurant sales. Won't have it? There we go. So restaurant sales are down... Averaging about 8%. So the average person spends $2,300 in restaurants. But watch this. Watch this. As that number comes down, as that number comes down, people will stop going to restaurants. As money tightens up, people will do what? Fast food it out. Even when people are using DoorDash, they're actually not spending the same money they would spend in a restaurant. Why? Because if you look at the DoorDash menus, they're actually not full menus. The one thing a person will do when you go to the restaurant is look at something and say, all right, you will order something that you will not eat. You'll order that extra appetizer. You'll order that extra whatever. Most people going on door that just to get wings. So you are spending less money on the restaurant than you would in a different environment. Restaurants will out, fast food will outperform restaurants. 
especially in the stock market. Now let's go, Dave. Watch this. Analysts say McDonald's, restaurant brands, and yum brands. In one week, they've outperformed the restaurants. So McDonald's, y'all know what McDonald's owns. Restaurant brands, QSRA owns Popeye's, Burger King. They are under that brand. Yum Brands, Pizza Hut, KFC, Taco Bell. They are under Yum Brands. In one week, they're up positive. The fast food industry has outperformed the restaurant industry. I thought that was just something I'd bring to y'all attention as we get a little further into this deeper recession, a mild recession, whatever they want to go. This is, what, this is something not telling you to invest in it, but it's definitely something to look at. Let's go a little further. Now, watch this. There you go right there. What the average person spends when they sit in the restaurant, average American spends about $2,375 per year on dining and taking out. That's the average American. That will drastically decrease because people will not be going out as much as they, ought, they were going before as money gets tighter. This is why your Chipotle's look good. This is why your Domino's, your Pizza Hut's, your Wendy's, they will get more action. All right, let's go a little further. Let's go a little further. So let's look at this company called Williams & Sonoma, man. The company's growing its earnings by 39% over the last five years. The dividend is paying out now at $0.78. Cent. It has increased the dividend by 13% on average a year. They still pay a premium on all of their high-quality dishes and furniture, so pots, pans, knives. They are still have a premium baked in on that. But what they also have done is they say, listen, our not-so-premium brands that we have overstocked, we are now cutting the price on those. The value for them is in the furniture and the cookware because premium home improvement is a thing. Shout out to Williams and Sonoma. It's a great company, man. I actually like that company. I'm not mad at that company anyway. All right, let's go a little further, man. Listen, man, we talk about weed, man, right? We talk about this weed company, man. This, this company is now expanding its brand. The company is Tilway Brands. They've now expanded into fruits, beer, and cannibal legalization stores. So I don't know how, if are we having cannabis-infused fruit? That's interesting. Cannabis-infused fruit. I don't want to go there. I don't think I'm eating strawberries. I'm eating strawberry mixed with weed. That is not a good look for me. I've been drug-free and alcohol-free for four years, man. So let's go a little further. Um, and we break this down, too. We talk about the microchip industry. I always like to give you all different... There's never one way to invest in a specific industry. So we think about the microchip industry. So let's look at manufacturing foundry. They manufacture them, but they don't design the microchip. We talk about the TSMs, right? And then we're looking at 
uh, fabulous, right? So you're talking about they design, but they don't manufacture the chip, right? And then you're talking about you're integrated. They design, but don't manufacture the chip as well, right? So you're talking about three different components. Then we talk about new. So we talk about people like Amazon and Apple who saying, yo, we want to get into designing our chips. Then you talk about equipment, which is ASML, right? They are the font, they produce the microchips. And then you're talking about the architecture, right? Well, the IP for the design of the chips. So we just done right here for the people who want to get in tech, because I feel like at some point you should get into the, 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 the microchip, because there cannot be technology without chips. It cannot be technology without chips. That is the brain. So if you believe that America is going into a technology age, you got to believe in the chip sector. It's just simple. SMH is the ETF or SOXX is the ETF for the chips. But if you want to believe in the chip sector, these are the different ways. The same way I did you with um, EVs is the same way I'm telling you about chips. These are the six different ways that you can get inside of the chip industry and make money. All chips are not the same. TSM and AS, ASML are two different things. TSM and NVIDIA. NVIDIA and AMD are the same. Intel is different. Apple and Amazon are creating something different. So understanding the different industries inside of a sector is extremely important for you as an investor. All right, let's go a little further, man. How y'all feeling tonight, man? We trapping? We good? We good? How y'all feeling? How y'all feeling? How y'all feeling? You know what I'm saying? Let's get, let's get, let's get to 1,100 likes in the chat tonight, y'all. We at 9.56 or 9.68. Everybody stop for a second. I know y'all right. Y'all like, damn, Travis, I'm trying to write. I'm trying to keep up. Let's get to 1,100 likes in the chat right quick, man. It ain't nothing but 100 and something likes. We got 1,500 people in the chat. Salute. Let's get to 1,100 likes in the chat, man. Make sure you like. Make sure you are subscribing. Let's, let's break our record tonight. I think 1,000 was our record. Let's do 1,100. Let's do 1,100 tonight. I think we could do 1,100 tonight, y'all. Let's get, let's get to 1,100 likes in the chat. I appreciate everybody for getting us up there because those likes actually does us good. We just hit 1K. I want y'all to, to really understand how I want y'all to understand how phenomenal this is. Every Tuesday for two hours, maybe two hours and 15 minutes, we come here and drop game nonstop. CNBC ain't this good. They be boring as hell. They be repeating the same stuff over and over and over. Every week for 26 weeks, we haven't repeated nothing. Ain't no overlay. Ain't no overlay. We come give game for two straight hours and bang out. Ain't nobody like this, man. We hit the 11. Man, shout out to 1,100. Let's get, man. Let's go, man. Blue Magic. That's a brand name. Like Pepsi. That's a brand name. I stand behind it. I guarantee it. I think I'm going to do a prop set. We're going to switch something up, man. Put that up there, man. Put that shit on a scale, man. Put that shit up, man. We're going to do a prop change. Set change, Jose, you hear me? Impromptu. Woohoo! My words on fire tonight. Impromptu, my guy. All right, let's go a little further, man. 
So listen, y'all, today is, uh, this is a segment where we get into, can we get 1,200 likes? Can we get 1,200 likes? Am I pushing it? Am I pushing it? I think we can get 1,200 likes, man. Am I pushing it? Listen, I'm going to tell y'all why we like the likes, y'all. The likes actually help the algorithm for us on Instagram and, I mean, on, on YouTube. Um, and so we definitely like to push our likes up, man. You know, our, on this journey to becoming one of the best shows out, the best show out, you know, we just want to let them know we here, right? All right, man. So this segment is called Learning the Lingo. And this segment is truly about me breaking down uh, different words inside of the uh, investing landscape that you can use. One of the reasons why we don't truly like take advantage of the potential what investing can do is because we don't understand the language. Right. And I think that's one of the things I can do this for five hours because I love just talking about it. But I got to be mindful of what we got going on. I got to be mindful that everybody want to, you know, we got to go to work. We got to do different things. But I love talking about stocks because I love talking about investing because this can truly change people's lives. So there's, there's, there's other people in the game that's doing it, um, that's, that's being affected by this. When we talk to y'all, you know, y'all are telling y'all family and telling y'all friends and telling people y'all love about Trapping Tuesday. So thank y'all each and every week for just saying, yo, for the next two hours, I'm about to, I'm about to be on Trapping Tuesday. Like, that mean a lot to me, man. You know what I'm saying? That mean a lot to me, man. So, and that mean a lot to the team. Because that let us know we putting in. And we going to hit 2,000 viewers before summer, bro. We going to hit 2,000. We going to hit 2,000 viewers, yo. We going to hit 2,000 viewers, man. All right, man, let's go, man. Gross profit margin is the learning the lingo of the week. So watch this. It is the metric analysts use to assess a company's financial health by calculating the amount of money left over from product sales after subtracting the cost of goods. Now, let me just make that simple. Cost of goods is everything, everything that you're selling, everything that it costs to make that good. So this piece of paper, right? Everything that it costs to make this sheet of paper is cost of goods. Now, Gross profit margin is after we take away everything it took us to make this piece of paper, what's left? You got me? Gross profit margin. Whatever it costs me to make this piece of paper. So let's say I get a hundred pack. The paper says 100 loose leaf pieces of paper. Now, what happens is you got the paper then you got the printed blue lines. Then you got the printed, printed white red lines. But then you got the process that it had to go from being a raw material to paper. I don't want to say the other words. I don't want to hear Jose talking about right. That process cost. But then there's wrapping paper that the paper is in. All of that is COGS, C-O-G, cost of goods sold. Once you take away the COGS, what's remaining left is the gross profit margins. Here's a gem. The company that has superior margins to its competitors is a company worth doing a deep dive to invest in. 
Only good companies can have superior profit margins. Let's go. I got you. All right, let's go to one of the favorite segments of the show, man. It is called Trapper's Lottery Pick, man. I doubled down on my guy, Augury Investments, man. We put this one together, man. We teamed up on this. Uh, let me give you a run on this right quick. Let's go. So when we talk about the, it is Digital Media Solutions. Right, so Digital Media Solutions operates as a digital platform marketing company that offers a software delivery platform in the United States. It operates through three segments, brand direct, marketplace, and other. The company operates as a performing marketing engine for companies across various industries, including finance, e-commerce, education, insurance, home service, brand uh, performance, and automotive, health, and wellness, right? Let's go a little further. Let's go a little further, right? So it's a, it's a media outlet, right? So let's go a little further, Dave. All right, our thesis is the largest shareholder makes up 35.8%. Um, it's making a cash offer to buy the company's Class A shares for $2.50. He's buying a company. Believes that other major shareholders, namely Cleverer Investment Group and Lion Capital, will be similarly supportive of the proposal. Meaning they want to come in and buy all the shares. They want to buy the company, Right? Watch this. If the other shareholders agree, this is where it get good at. The Prism only needs 35 million to 40 million to ink the deal. Prism is an investment vehicle affiliate of CEO Joseph Marinucci. Let's go a little further. Let's go a little further. Watch this. Predicted annual returns. This is where it gets good at. This is where it gets good at. In one year, we're estimating 78% return. Six months, 224% return. Three months, 950% return. 45 days, 10,000% return. That's if the deal goes through. Stock price today is a dollar. Buyout offer is 250. Profit of deal goes through 90 cents a share. So we're basing this off if this goes through. I just want you to watch it and see. Let's go a little further. Let's go a little further. And so now we'll get into what is called a certified trapper of the week. This was important for me every week, y'all. It's important for me because unlike saying who's the best investor in the industry and who's the best investor in the market and who's got the greatest returns, Certified Trap of the Week is 100% about highlighting people of our culture, people who've come before us, who's had a significant impact on us. So this week, we break down none other than the wonderful, the amazing J.B. Stranford. He was a black businessman and a community activist. Born a slave, his owner never gave him a last name. But his owner's daughter taught him how to read. By the age of 18, he began practicing law. 
He then gravitated to the Greenwood District of Tulsa, Oklahoma, where he met another amazing man by the name of O.W. Gurley. The two men performed a business partnership. They started investing in land, buying real estate, rental homes, saloons, and buying these things and selling them to other entrepreneurs, black entrepreneurs. He then built what was called the Stratford Hotel. It was a two-story brick residence. He ended with two dozen rental homes and a 16-building apartment complex. When the hotel opened, it was the largest owned and operated, black-owned and operated hotel in America. Say that again so I can get it right. When the hotel opened, it was the largest black-owned and operated hotel in America. Shout to this brother, man. J.B. Stafford, because here's the thing. Even though O.W. Gurley had the vision he also had to have partnerships. JB became one of the richest black African Americans in Tulsa. And we talk about partnerships. I want us to understand this, y'all. Some of us aren't successful like we want to be because we want to own 100% of a dollar instead of owning 50% of a million. Partnerships is how you scale. Expanding your network of people is how you grow. If you're a person who is being anchored to their environment, you need to unanchor yourself from that environment and get around people who are talking different. Get around people who see the world different. Get around people who see money different. There's 8 billion people in the world. The 20 to 30 people that you know ain't the only people that's here. You all share similar experiences. And so your intelligence level, your income level may all be similar. As you get around people who are doing bigger and better things, you then can come back and help your homies. But it's hard to achieve things you've never achieved while still being anchored to your past. All right, let's go a little further, man. Shout out to J.B. Straffer, man. All right, man, so this is the wealth track. And so with this segment, I love this being a follow-up segment to uh, the Trapper segment because this allows me to get into one of my favorite subjects, which is hip-hop. I think hip-hop is the catalyst to America. What happens is uh, hip-hop has, nav has navigated us down a path where 
we haven't valued who we are or what we are. I think that music has done a lot of harm to us over the last couple years, maybe the last 10 years, because I often like to say that people like KRS-One, Rakim, they didn't run out of lyrics. Talib Kweli, but there was big business in murder rap. And I often say, I've never heard Garth Brooks talk about killing nobody. I've never heard Shania Twain call nobody Faith Hill a bad bitch. I ain't never heard it. I've never heard Sting or Matchbox 20 and Rob Thomas. I've never heard them talk about killing the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I've never heard it. But yet, these people sell out stadiums. Nah, true enough, I know that the experience in America is different. But why do we have the voice of limited experience? There was big money and murder rap. And so for me, the well track is about us deciphering through some of the lyrics and finding, just finding those bars that can truly help us. So this week, man, we went and found Diddy, man. And Diddy, I forgot the person who showed me this because y'all be DMing me. I'll be like, trap, I think this is a good one. So last week, Brandon hit me with something. This week, I forgot who hit me with this. Um, I'll, I'll salute to you. But so this week, Diddy just said something simple. It was a quick bar. It was, now my dividends is the new Benjamins. In cut. It's over. Done. Now my dividends is the new Benjamins. I want us to understand how prolific and profound that is. In essence, I'm getting rich off investments. That's a simple statement. I'm getting rich off investments. That is a parabolic shift that we need to... God damn. God damn. God damn. That's a parabolic shift for us. Imagine how powerful we could become if we all said, and now my dividends is the new Benjamins. Your rent is the new dividends. The money you're picking from having property, that rent that's becoming cash flow, that's the new dividends. The Toro that you got out, the rent, the dividends from the Toro is the new dividends. The money that you invest in, in the stock market, the new dividends, the options that you're getting, your new dividends, the business that you are investing in is the new dividends. It's simply saying my dividends is the new Benjamins is me, is him simply saying my investments is what's taking me to wealth. Shout to Diddy for that bar. I'm pretty sure he ain't right. <laughs> All right, man. So as we as we get to this last segment, 
I want to have a conversation with us. Y'all know I like to talk, if you haven't seen, but sometimes there's a different type of talk that needs to be had. We are in a time where we're surviving life on our brilliance and our ability to decipher and articulate people, events, and information. Meaning we got to learn how to read people, understand events, and break down information. There's a brilliance in that. The issue is, in most cases, we never make the shift because the same energy that it takes for us to survive in poverty is the same energy it takes for us to survive when it comes to building wealth. Building a business is the same as running a trap house. Investing in the stock market, learning how to invest in the stock market is no different than going to work, looking at the business that you're working for, understanding that business. And instead of letting that business get paid off, you investing in that business so that business can pay you is a shift. No matter what you do, you're analyzing the situation. You're analyzing people. You're analyzing events. Investing becomes the necessary skill for wealth. Intelligence is colored vividly by our experience. The experience that we have in life gives us intelligence. I often say that the books that we read are phenomenal to help us grow. But no matter how many books I read on swimming, I will not know how to swim until I jump in the water. I got to see how my heart rate reacts to the water. I got to see how my brain deciphers and articulates the event and the information. That experience is downloaded and gives me the wisdom and intelligence to perform. The thing about that whole dynamic is at what point does fear kick in? See, for some people, the fear of drowning will haunt them. The possibilities of what could happen hinder them from being great. There's a saying that I came up with. Fear always interrupts legacy. 
fail. We cannot be afraid to fail. So I ask you, what experience have shaped what freedom looked like to you? For me, it's being 15 years old, being a cold night, and I was in a doghouse inside of an abandoned house. That was a hell of an experience for me. It was not made up. It's an actual factual. It was when I stole some blankets from the thrift store on Carrollton and Canal, Carrollton and Tulane, from the thrift store. I bought the doghouse, and I slept in it. Because it was insulated. Who do you blame for you not being free? Do you blame your mama for not giving you exposure? Do you blame your daddy for not being there? Do you blame your teachers for not teaching you? Do you blame the government for not being fair? Or do you blame yourself I think the easiest thing to do is blame others. I think the hardest thing to do is take accountability and move forward. The minute you take accountability is the minute that you unanchor yourself from the things that happen to you. I did 10 years in prison. One little cousin wrote me all the time. My little cousin, Elise. My uncle Walter, he sent me some money when he could. My mom, she didn't really send me no money. Every now and then she did. During the process of my 10 years, I can count on my hand the money orders that I received. Talking about on a 10-year stretch. But yet and still... I never blamed my family for nothing. I love them all. I smile when I see them all. I hug them tight when I see them all. Because I took responsibility for what put me in prison. When I came home from prison, I didn't blame nobody for not being there for me. My auntie let me sleep on her sofa. I was cool with that. The best thing we can do for ourselves is take full responsibility for our life. Subprime consumer is attached to limited beliefs, is attached to being a victim. I choose to be a victor. I always say that life is going life. Whether I'm here or whether I'm gone, somebody else 
is trying to navigate their way through the vicissitudes of life. No matter who you are, no matter what you come from, you will go through adversity. You have a moment where you cry. You have a moment where you have a breakdown. But it's what do you do after that? Do you wipe the tears away and keep going? Most people love the word consistent. I'm more fond of the word persistent. Because persistence means no matter what happens, I keep going. Continuously, perpetually, adventurously, sometimes even stressfully. There's a will and a desire that has to be in you that has to be willing to take every risk there is to take. See, most people avoid the risk. I look for them. I meet them head on. Because I know that where I want to go, even me wanting to go there is a risk. Because wanting to go there, wanting to achieve that thing has to disrupt everything that I'm going through at the moment. Disruption. Disruption scares so many people. Disruption takes us out of our norm. Disruption makes us uncomfortable. Disruption makes us vulnerable. Disruption makes us scared. And for that, I embrace it. Harriet Tubman, disruption. Martin Luther King, disruption. Malcolm X, disruption. O.W. Gurley, disruption. Frederick Douglass, disruption. Madam C.J. Walker, a self-made millionaire black woman, disruption. But we hear the glory we don't know about was the stress the people that told them not to. The people that told Malcolm, don't go walk. The people that told him nonviolence was the key and we, I mean, wasn't the answer. And we had an audacity to say, I wouldn't have did it nonviolent. I wouldn't have did it that way. Disruption. Will you challenge your current norm and cause disruption because your family needs you? 
You are the person that frees them from generational poverty. You are the person that gives them the opportunity. You are the person that gives them the audacity to think about freedom. And so I ask you, do you have it in you to cause disruption? It's closing, mass, another week of Trapping Tuesdays. Such an amazing week, such an amazing show, such an amazing episode. I want you all to like, subscribe to the channel. I want you all to go to all podcast platforms and listen to episode 25 is out. Episode 26 tonight will be out Thursday. But go catch up. Go understand why episode 26 was so dope because one thing we do every week is marry every episode to the one before. Join Trapping Tuesdays. The link is in the bio for sure. And I just want to tell everybody that come in each and every Tuesday for two hours or two and a half hours, thank you. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. And we'll see y'all again next week. Should have bought Wall Street Trapper. And we out, y'all. Ah! Appreciate it, boy.